You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to opening up discussions that most men aren't having, but you certainly don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel podcast is produced live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. You can find more information about the Real Men Feel movement at realmenfeel.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. This is a weekly program and your comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in the Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Men Feel. I am your host, Andy Grant. Ah, and thank you for joining us for this week's Deep Dive into Masculinity. As always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Alpio Hunter. Hey, Andy. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Good, good, good. It's been and- a great week and a great day. And I just feel like, you know, the t- Tuesdays when we sit here and we record our, our podcast, it's just like the icing on the cake. <laughs> I'm loving it. Well, cool. Well, I hope for some, we have some good, thick, rich, creamy icing for you uh, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we do. <laughs> cool. And our, our, we're, we're going to be talking about the evolved masculine and, and what that really means with our guest, Destin Garrick. Uh, Destin is a sought-after sexuality and transformational life coach, speaker, blogger, and educator on all aspects of masculinity, sex, sacred sexuality, tantra, and erotic empowerment. Destin is challenging traditional societal beliefs which is why he's here, and helping people create powerful change in their lives in the process. So, so welcome to you, Destin. <laughs> uh, thank you. Really a pleasure to be on your show. Awesome, awesome. And yeah. before we dive in, um, I, you just had a big event in Australia, right? Yeah, I, was, I, I did the keynote presentation for the Taste of Love Festival, uh, which it w- is in Byron Bay, which if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It is gorgeous out there. And the, the festival itself is on uh, intimacy, relationships, sexuality, tantra. And I gave my presentation on what I call the evolved masculine. Cool. All right. So, so let's dive in. Like, what is your definition sure. of the evolved masculine? <laughs> um. Well, I'm actually just in this moment, my assistant is putting the final touches on a, a, a new page and little offering uh, for, well, I guess your listeners might be the first people to get it at uh, evolvedmasculine.com slash blueprint, uh, where there's a like five minute audio that's just like, here is, here is the, the powerful transmission download of, of this is the Evolved Masculine mm-hmm. and that can act as a blueprint uh, for you to bring into your own life. One place I always like to start uh, with people is I do not, I am not the evolved masculine. I am, uh, I strive in the direction of the evolved masculine. The evolved masculine to me is an, is an archetypal vision meant to be, to act as a, a North Star guiding light, um, an, 
uh, an inspiration and role model for, for men today. We live in a time where uh, we have both both the, these old paradigms sometimes referred to today as toxic masculinity uh, that's still very rampant. Uh, some would argue we have a leading example of that in the White House today. Um, and uh, then at the same time, we have an ever, um, ever louder voice of backlash against this old style of masculine expression. But I really hit this point of recognizing we need something, we need something as men, not just of what not to be, but an inspiring vision of possibility, something that, that we can strive towards, especially for our young men, but not only, but something that we can look to and be like, yes, I, that is the type of man I want to be in the world. Mm, cool. And so that's really what I spent years really distilling all these different elements and pulling it together. And yeah, it's true that because I have placed my attention on these particular attributes, values, principles over years now, I have cultivated them within myself a fair amount. So when I, when I voice a descriptor within the blueprint, um, evolvedmasculine.com slash blueprint uh, of the evolved masculine, uh, I do, I can exhibit all of these qualities. Cool. I can also exhibit their opposite. Uh, I am a work in progress. Right. And you're still a human being. I am. <laughs> Great. I am. So I love that, that you came right out and stating that, that you're not this. Um, it's because it seems like a lot of experts and leaders are, you know, I'm perfect. Come learn how to be me. And I think that there's something happening, though, that um, that we see even more with those that are younger than than us. I'm I'm, I'm turning 39 shortly. Um, I think you two are both a little bit older than that. But with the with the younger generation, even more so, like the up and comer, like public figures, that kind of vulnerability and transparency is normative amongst these new figures and uh i if anything i've been inspired by it and have taken taken it on myself you know it's fascinating you should say that because i feel the mm -hmm. same way you know i work at a company i work at i work for thumbtack that's my that's my day job and what i think is really fascinating working at a company that's populated predominantly by millennials and people who mm -hmm. are a generation and or at least a generation and a half younger than me is mm -hmm. that I certainly take a lot of inspiration from them, their energy, their, their very fluid sense of identity that is mm -hmm. more in the moment, more in the now. There's no specific types of, of, of roles of any type, any type of societal role. I mean, everything there is just, and everybody that's around me, very much like that. Great, let's go there because <laughs> <laughs> I always, you know, I do a lot of these types of interviews and conversations, uh -huh. and it's I don't like to talk about the same things all the time, so I always look for ways to talk about things that are interesting to me that I don't normally talk about. Fantastic, um, let's go there. <laughs> so, one of the things that you see even more so with those younger than us, though it certainly was existing in my um, in my own. Uh, generation, but even more so now, is is an increasing gender fluidity and not feeling so boxed into ideas of uh, the set um, masculine man or the set feminine uh, woman. I mean, it's still a lot of that as well, but there's also more movement and fluidity. So I, I've spent 
a lot of time as well thinking of thinking about that one around so where does how does the evolved masculine fit into that because i do largely see that as a positive movement mm-hmm. um where where i think i'd like to see some course correction mm. <laughs> when it comes to, to to that type of movement is uh is the ways in which uh, arguably rightly um, the masculine has been maligned uh, quite quite a bit. There, there is a fear and distrust of the masculine amongst especially those who play with gender fluidity. Um, and I think that that's because we have had a model for what being a masculine man means in the world that is, that's been broken that's been toxic that that has caused so much rape of women of the planet that has caused uh that's rooted in domination and control and um puffing out of chest and experiencing my power by by exerting power over others uh all these elements that this is not the masculine this is the unhealthy masculine right so it's been the the representation the personification of the masculine that's being yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's a it, it's an it's an old culture of men that I believe that we are evolving beyond. Mm-hmm. But I believe that a, a piece that's that's we've been lacking uh, has been okay. So if not that, then what? Yeah, and and it's not just so. If not that, then as men, we need to um, be more in our feminine. Yes, uh, have access to your feminine absolutely. But I know that for for myself as a as a man who grew up with uh somewhere pretty early on really getting that ingrained message as well that that men are not to be trusted that the masculine is harmful mm-hmm. uh i disconnected from a lot of those aspects of myself and retreated into my feminine quite quite a bit and it, w- it wasn't until mm, probably my late 20s that i went on a, a an intentional and massive journey of discovering my relationship to my own masculinity and basically saying, never mind what, uh, what I grew up thinking masculinity meant, what does it mean to me today? And uh, really going on what's been a 10 year journey now of, <laughs> of getting clear on um, what is the masculinity that I wish to embody. And with that, I still have full access. I am far more gender fluid and uh, balanced than most. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I have incredible access to my masculine my, and the, the power that exists within that. That's the, everything from that, that force of will, that directionality, that, that strength, that's both physical strength as well as emotional strength and being, the ability to, um, to handle whatever comes my way yeah to be able to hold space for whether it's a woman and her emotionality or i mean my work has me handle men in their emotional range all the time as well (laughs) and just the sense that um i'm a man of principle and values i know who i am i know what i stand for i know what i am using this life force i've been given for and I'm, I know what I'm willing to die for if it really came down to it. What, what, what told you as a young man that how you were living your masculine energy was, was off? That something uh, was- It wasn't necessarily about how I was living my masculine energy. It was more of what the models that I was seeing around me. 
um, the the other boys and uh, teenagers who were presenting themselves as being, you know, the, the, the more masculine men, you know, the, the ways in which I saw them treating women, the ways in which I saw them treating each other, the way they often treated me. Um, uh, that's, it. I think that I took on a message as well. If that's what it's supposed to mean to be masculine, I'm just not interested. Gotcha. Uh, but then further, I'd be remiss if I left this out. Um, while I was in high school, uh, one of my earliest girlfriends was raped on her 15th birthday, right before we met. And I ended up being the first person she told. And we ended up being together for a few years. And it had a massive impact on me. Because as a 17-year-old boy, I was not emotionally equipped to handle that. Mm. And so there was a certain point, uh, somewhere between 17 and 19 years old, where I made like this declaration to the universe, I mean, it's to myself, really, that I'm going to do everything that I can to create a world in which things like this don't happen. Mm. And I would say that that was the seed for a lot of my life path. Yeah, that's that's quite a seed to plant. That that's yeah. powerful, and, and again, at that age, that's really impressive. And with so much emotion attached to it, too, you know. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that kind of baggage, being you know, just taking it on, carrying it, if you will. And, yeah. you know, and so I think that that further that sense, though, that um, that I can't trust the masculine. Mm. That I, I I came to distrust other men. Right. Years before I realized, wow, there's something that needs some serious healing inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've been down that journey myself. You know, I, I, as you were talking, I just, I got this image in my head of a pendulum, a pendulum that gets stuck in one position for a long time. And then, you know, then as a pendulum is suddenly released, it swings to an opposite, you know, extreme. And as it starts to naturally right itself, those extremes become less and less until it finally goes back to its natural center and i get a sense that that part that's been part of your journey is that that swing you know from one extreme to the other if you will uh, trying to get that center balance center were you were you looking into my erotic rock star past is that Actually, I, had, I, had, I had it all no but funny enough that's so, the sense so that for, i got it's the image for, i had for our viewers and listeners i had a um uh, during and part of that journey, mm-hmm. I went on a six and a half year stint um, that I now dub the erotic rock star era. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Where I was self-proclaimed the erotic rock star. And let's just say as an, uh, as that was the archetype that I created that I was playing with. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just say I owned that archetype. Um, any imaginations or fantasies you have of what that means, it's probably beyond that. Wow. Um, I lived out my every fantasy and then some. I experienced things that I really never would have imagined being possible. Um, and, uh, um, and then I hit a point of, you know, okay, the pendulum swung. And then I hit a point of, okay, I think I've, I think I've taken this as far as I need to take it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even further than I needed to take it. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And my and my own values changed, and my own priorities changed, and I also got older, and I hit a point where my own desire for a family started to become very, very, very strong, and the way that I was living prior was not really conducive for a family. 
Right. Well, again, so, we're, we're talking about evolution. So there's yeah. not going to be one static, oh, I'm, I'm there now, I'm done. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't have any regrets for, from that time period. I mean, I, I feel like the erotic rock star era is a time period that I'm going to be unpacking to understand for the rest of my life. <laughs> but um, but it, it was very, it, it was very powerful. You know, my, while I was very um, promiscuous, might you say, during that era, um, my intent, I always held the intent of how do I, well, the same intent that I've held throughout my entire life, which is not even just how do I leave these women I'm coming into contact with better than I found them. I really live my life with that approach to every human being that I meet. How do I, like in the, even in this conversation, to so the person who's listening to this right now, my, my come from, my place within me is how do I leave you better for having come into contact with me? And so during that time period, I was also playing that game. I was just, you know, my cock was a big part of it too. So, <laughs> so. And oftentimes when we're going through that, uh, I mean, I haven't really talked about this much myself, but yeah, I went, I through, went through my stage, not necessarily rock star, but certainly my stage of, you know, having been in the, in the monastery to going wow. out of the monastery, if you will, yeah. and then swinging back back to center again so so yeah especially if that pendulum is stuck it seems to be like a very common thing i've noticed with a lot of things well um if you've seen my logo which that's uh yes in my tattoo here as well uh -huh. uh, this is a it's actually very reminiscent of that type of pendulum uh swing that you describe it as mm -hmm. it's, it's an unalome it's a thai buddhist symbol representing the path to enlightenment yes and it speaks of the, how my rendition of it anyway right <laughs> a thai buddhist might say it a little bit differently but is that at that start it's more when you're starting on your path it's more like you're lost and confused you're kind of running around circles so to speak trying to figure out who you are what this all is but if you remain on the path uh you can hit this point where it feels where you may even feel like ah i've got it i found it i'm on, on path but it's not like you're suddenly like there going straight it's more like you're now moving instead of doing this you're now like moving in this direction until finally something often painful right. wakes you up and realize wait 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 it's, i think i got off path somehow and so you make a turn now you're going back this way yeah like this way but it, it's 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 like a a plane going from you're in the east coast am i right massachusetts yeah i am so andy's massachusetts i'm in utah so Okay, so if you are on a plane going from Utah to Massachusetts, uh, that plane doesn't go in a straight line either. It's in constant course correction. So it's in that same type of way, except that that course correction just winds in on itself, getting, uh, getting tighter and tighter and tighter until, you know, in theory, it becomes a straight line that disappears into the infinite. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That nirvana point. So Being in the mountains, I actually had the image of, of the path that winds up the mountain, if you will. Totally. Yeah. And so, so many people are thinking that, you know, the yellow brick road will appear before them and it's a straight line, the one path they're meant to walk. And, and it just isn't the case. That hasn't been for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe a last day on earth. It's, Oh, this is a straight road. And it's yeah, the end. <laughs> 
for the last inch or two <laughs> for sure so, so that does bring up a very interesting question about your your spiritual awakening how what what brought you to that particular point and i went the painful route ah. <laughs> the only way to go man <laughs> Hmm, yep we could definitely share stories on that <laughs> dark nights of the soul i hear people talking about the dark night of the soul and i'm like what, you, you only one? Oh, i'm i'm jealous <laughs> right exactly uh, oh far too many to count on this on this one here um the the point that i consider my spiritual awakening was in early november 2004 uh 12 plus years ago now. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, it's so funny. Like you said, like at the time I felt like, ah, oh, I've got it. <laughs> 12 years later, I'm still getting it. <laughs> it's the journey. Uh, and uh, just prior to that, I spent a year in um, uh, the Iraq war had kicked off. Um, I was in graduate school um getting a master's in human sexuality that i ended up abandoning related to the story and i ended up getting very involved in political activism and various forms of street activism and um experienced a lot of different forms of police brutality on the streets and that um that people are more familiar with today because it's very much in our faces today honestly the most difficult thing about it during that time was that everyone seems completely oblivious and not wanting to believe it. And yeah, feeling it was just felt utterly alone in that regards. But after my third arrest in a year, I, (laughs) um, in which I had both my rotator cuffs torn and my cervical disc in my neck herniated by the San Francisco Sheriff's department, I went on a major downward spiral. Um, I, really to say I had a psychological emotional breakdown. Mm-hmm. I lost faith in humanity. I lost, I just saw like, we're fucked. It's all it comes down to where the, the, there's no hope. The, the world, the world's going to hell in a handbasket and nobody seems to give a shit. And, mm. and, and it, 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 um, yeah, so it, it was very difficult and painful time. I ended up throwing a backpack on my back and hitchhiking through southern Mexico. And um, and that was actually the good choice. The other route that I, I would have gone on would have been much worse. Um, and uh, I thought I'd hit rock bottom, but no, I, I further bottomed out during, during that. And um, the great thing about rock bottom is there's really only one way to go. And there would hit a point where I just, I just gave up. Um, perhaps today I would speak of it as like surrendering to the divine, but at the time I, I didn't believe in things like that at all. Um, things like conscious community and stuff like that. I didn't even know it, if it exi- if such things existed. And if I did know, I'd probably roll my eyes at it. And in all honesty, such things are much larger today, which gives me tons of hope. It's a different story. Um, and, uh, I hit, uh, I, but that uh, giving up moment was a letting go. A for the first time in my life, the only thing I knew anymore was I didn't know anything. And before then, believe me, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it takes us right down that path. <laughs> yeah, and as soon as I, the more, I, you, the more I, you know that, the more painful 
the uh, realization is. <laughs> totally, totally. So Extra when rocks I, and rock bottom. When I let go in that way, um, it just came flooding in. I can point to a, a single day where every where it just seemed like a switch flipped. Every person that I met, every conversation that I had, seemed like it was designed for this shift to take place within me. Uh, and and it did, and it never it never stopped. And it's not like oh everything's been wonderful since then. No, I've had many dips and crashes in the time since. But if you if I look at that trajectory, the time period before then, I felt like I was feeling increasingly disempowered, increasingly dismal. Um, and in the time since, I've I've consistently grown in my own personal empowerment, my own capacity, and my own uh faith and ability to affect change in the world so i'm very happy with that moment and will be grateful for the rest of my life I love that. and and how long from that that kind of awestruck moment to really getting into action and kind of you know working on the archetype and knowing what that would mean or you know what what was that uh well that was november 04 and it was and the year of two, two years later was when I made the declaration that 2007 was going to be the year that I actively explore my masculinity and what it means to me to be in the world today. I mean, to be a man in the world today. Um, there, I, there is definitely a connection between the two, but it wasn't, it didn't necessarily feel like a straight line. Like I certainly had no idea when that first thing was happening that my disconnect from my own masculine essence had anything to do with anything <laughs> um but um but that shift again that the 2007 when i set off in that way uh that led to a journey that was so much more powerful and all-consuming than i ever would have imagined possible so much so that it's become the foundation of the work that i do in the world and that I get flown all around the world. I get paid tens of thousands of dollars at a time. I get, you know, that I've built a, not just a life, but an incredible life based off of, um, you know, what I've built as a result of that. How much of the, I guess you could say, the archetypal hero's journey Mm -hmm. um, that we've sometimes have talked about here on the show, mm -hmm. which I'm sure that you're aware of, have you know yeah. figured into this this journey that that you're on right now, this image that you've created for yourself and that you continue to create for yourself. Well, it, if you're speaking from uh, like a Jungian perspective or um, or like the hero's journey uh, type of perspective, I didn't really have, uh, I didn't have those maps um, and that language at the time, though I was being introduced to the concepts of, of archetypes mm -hmm. and um, uh, which, you know, that's really where the roots were. Um, and so it, it you arguably very much has been a hero's journey i 
I, I left everything that I knew and everyone that I, I, I knew and my entire identity of self and went on this journey to, of discovery, of discovering new lands, of discovering new uh, possibilities and new parts of myself, new ways of expressing in the world, many of which are completely uncharted, and then have returned and been like, here's the goods, uh, here, here's the treasure, uh, everyone here, this is, this is what I'm bringing back from this heroic journey that I've been on and sharing it with the people that I come across yeah. it's it's been epic it's been powerful and um and like I said I feel like I've been I'm being rewarded handsomely for it the, the more that I serve the more I receive the more that I serve the more that I receive yeah oh yeah so so true so so true you know it's one of those things that I've noticed consistently that the more that we are open, the more that we give, you know, our hands are open to, 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 to share, mm. the more it comes, comes right back in. Mm. Kind of goes to what a principle that I like to talk about, which is the fifth principle of joy. When you love you, the world does too. When you fall passionately, madly in love with yourself. And I think that speaks to a lot of what your, your work is about, you know, falling madly, passionately in love with yourself, embracing the masculine power, not as a force to control, but a force to empower oneself. Yeah, oneself as well as those around you. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the big differences and one of the places that I'm, I'm, you know, not trying to get overly political during this call, but, you know, it's, it's one of the places where I get really challenged by, um, you know, what I am seeing in the White House today is that um, the type of, the type of uh, toxic masculine expression that is being represented at the highest forms of leadership uh, in our country right now is very much, uh, look at how powerful I am. Let me show you how powerful I am by the way in which I am going to impact you and make decisions over what's going to affect you and the ways in which I hold you down or the ways in which I am going to be your savior. All of that is very uh, ego-driven mm -hmm. and um, as self-serving really and about power over versus the the type of power that um that i'm certainly not the only one but with that i've discovered through the evolved masculine path has been one of the more the more i tap into and discover my own power the more that the people around me feel empowered uh, like Mary, yeah, um, like the yeah. uh, arguably overused Marianne Williamson quotes uh, of uh, by my very, which I'm totally going to butcher at the moment, but essentially that um, the more I let my light shine, that it just naturally inspires that out of others to shine their own. Right. So I, I love. So we have. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about toxic masculinity. So I really sure. I drill more into that, and I like yeah, how you've kind of set it up. And so, to you, toxic masculinity is, is self-serving. It's ego-driven. It's trying to exert power and keep others down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of experiencing one's own power through the keeping of others down. I I know my power by the way in which I feel higher than you. And um, that's, that's personally not how I found my own power. Um, quite the opposite. I feel the more I help lift other people up, the more powerful I feel. Yeah. And I, and I think most leaders that have kind of gone that way or experienced both would agree mm -hmm. with you. I, like, I, I, I can't think of anyone 
Uh, who I've ever come across that, oh, yeah, and I was really being of service, and it made me feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here, here's one of the challenges, though, in the, in the current larger cultural landscape is the word toxic masculinity is starting, well, basically, they so say, like, 2016 was the year that the toxic masculinity just spread through the culture. The problem is, is that it didn't have its reciprocal also held up. And so it, that itself furthered, uh, furthered backlash uh, and responses like, you know, it's like, you're say, say, it's like you're saying men are inherently toxic or there's something inherently toxic about masculinity. And that is not the intent, but that is the effect. Yeah, of- that's, what, that's really wanted to ask the definition and get clear and help people. Yeah. Get, we're not saying men are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we need when we anytime I believe very strongly that anytime you hold up what's wrong, you need to hold up what's right. You need to hold up something that we can be inspired by something. Okay. Especially, especially I kept thinking about what's the effect on our young men with, with this conversation in its current state going the way that it is. What, what are they taking from this? And and I, I'm, a, I'm concerned that the direction that young, the young men have in front of them is either, okay, masculinity is toxic. I don't want to be that. I want to be a good guy. Let me just shut down those parts of myself. Or, you know, fuck that. Fuck women. Fuck feminism. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, and you're just going to fucking deal with it. Mm-hmm. which we also see a lot of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. And, and uh, you know, I think that the language that we use, we need to be really careful of and really aware of. And I, this is where I would like to see a lot more ref- reflection on the part of the progressive or left community. Uh, because uh, personally, I think that it can be too self-aggrandizing, too focused on its righteousness. Yeah. And um, yeah. whereas the effect of what we're doing, the effect of the words that we choose, the, the effect of the ways in which we're framing things are far more important to me than just how right do I feel and how superior over you do I feel. I, I don't care. I, all I care is what is the world that we're actually creating? If, if in the process, half the world ends up vilifying me, but somehow I leave some sort of positive mark that ends up helping us move more in the direction that I'd like to see the world happen in, fine, hate me. I don't care. Just, it, it's the result. To me, the result is the only thing that matters. Do, do you find, like, today in the world, is the notion of toxic masculinity, is it, is it more age-defined, or are you seeing it kind of in every age of, of, of men? Uh. I like to believe that things are changing. I do believe it, <laughs> but I like to believe it. I do believe that there's a reason why like our strongest example of everything that's been laid out as toxic masculinity is being represented to us in a 70 year old man in front of us. I don't think that that's really an accident. I do think that um, it's more prevalent uh, in that age group. Um, because I hate to put it this way, but we are winning. It may not seem like it on the surface right now, <laughs> but I do very much believe that um, the enlightenment is occurring, so to speak. <laughs> right, and this is almost like, here comes this big shadow figure to point mm-hmm. out how much light there is. You can look at it that way too. Right? Yeah, it's bringing us together. It's, uh, for myself, for example, it's, it's, it's further catalyzed me. 
I, I am, my work itself has shifted as a result of uh, this election, this change. Uh, I am a big, here, you know what, fuck, let's move into this right now. That's um, a big part of my message right now is just assuming the type of man who's listening to your show, given it's real men feel. These are men who are either already in their hearts or want to be more in, in, in their hearts. They want to be good, good men. And um, my message to, to you is you really need to fucking step into your power. And I don't mean this from the sense of, hey, man, you got to step into your power. It'll be good for you. All this stuff. I, don't, I, I actually don't care about that anymore. I mean, yeah, great, wonderful. But it's, it's more like, no, no, look around. You need to step into your fucking power. Look around. There are plenty of men who are shut down their hearts, who are disconnected from any spirituality, who are claiming their power. The good men of the world need to own their fucking power. It's not enough to not do shitty things and call yourself a good man. We need warriors. We need warriors to know who they are, to know their principles and, and values, to know what world they want to be a stand for in this world and to be a fucking stand for it. To draw a line in the sand and say, enough, no more, not on our watch. This is what we need right now more than ever. And, and that could be the beauty of this moment. That's creating this evolution. Like the, the, the other side almost had to draw the line to help people really, self-identify. Well, they did. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they drew the line. Guess what? We're getting ready to step over it. That's the, that's the fun part. And, and I guess that's just my main thing and why you hear me get very passionate there and where yeah. like this, this is where the focus of the presentation I gave in Australia and the, the talks I've been doing more and more coming on is, is that that uh, I've been doing work around sexuality for 20 years and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, uh, you, you have anything going on around your sexuality, your relationships to, to women, what have you, I could help you solve it like that at this point. I can do it in my sleep. And I really don't mean to be like flippant about it. I get it. If, you're, if it's painful for you, it's that the pain is real. If it feels like a struggle you've been dealing with for years, I get it. The struggle is real. And like, I, I know that work very well, very easily. <laughs> and thankfully, I've built a team now who can help support you all like with, with those aspects of things the place where i'm most lit up right now is men step up who are you really what are you here for what's your fucking purpose on this planet when you look around and you see the things that are going on in the world uh, do you have children are you planning on having children what is the world that you are leaving leaving your children what is the world that you are intent on creating if who knows what's coming in these months and years ahead, but um, it, we, as much as the line's been drawn already, uh, we, there's a good chance we ain't seen nothing yet. And so the question is really going to be at what point, what needs to happen for you to say, oh shit, I need, I need to fucking do something. And what does it mean for you to do something? What are you truly capable of? What are you creating? What are you doing to create the world you want to live in? Yeah. Yeah. That's the conversation that I'm most interested in right now. And maybe this is because, you know, I'm preparing to have my own children now. Right. But like, I, you know, I, I, I feel emotional even speaking about it because it's, it's not a given, you know, it, 
you know, they've been, I, I've heard the saying as far back as I can remember, but you know, there's a saying of like, um, the human race, uh, race is in the race is between Armageddon and enlightenment. And it seems as if we've got front row seats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it, if you're looking for evidence, you can find proof for either direction. Yes. That we're on the edge of the end of the world or we are on the edge of a new beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. where, where are you looking? We've got plenty of evidence for it. And, and, and both are true. Like if, if your world is tied to the toxic masculinity, if your world is tied to the past, it's going to end. That's true. That's so true. They both can be. It's not even perspective. They both can be true. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, we'll... Will it be enjoyable for some people or not? Or... <laughs> and, and so there, there's a question though as well of, so I believe that every action, action that we take, we're, we're creating the world that we're living in. And we can so often feel that sense of, uh, I'm just, there's 7 billion people in the world. I'm just one person. What does it matter? Those things are de determined by those, you know, big power players elsewhere that's where these the fates of the world are determined no i mean does well, that matter if, that, if that's your attitude that will continue to be true but at the same time like we are all interconnected you know people speak of like the six degrees of separation for example and now with facebook it's down to at least four if not less i mean they think about that that even if we called it at the six like that 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 the premise of that is there's nobody in the world who it would take more than six people's connection, meaning like you're, you know me, I know too many fucking people, uh, <laughs> uh, who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody to any other human being in the world. So if you look at those interconnections, then how you are showing up in any given moment, you are having an impact on the people that you're connecting with. That impact is having an impact impact on them which then impacts the people they're connecting with which is spread 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 spreads so you are directly really you are consciousness you are consciousness itself so every action that you take is part of it every word that you speak you're helping create this this world and the direction that consciousness is every thought that you think is uh leads to the words leads to the actions it's all in the, in the creation so where is your focus? Where are your thoughts? Where are your words? Where are your actions? What are you contributing to? And it's not just, it's not black or white. It doesn't tend to be that you are just doing this. You're just recreating the old or you're just helping create the new. It's more of how can you continuously take energy, energy, attention, money away from the old and into the new. And, you know, you touched on something there. I mean, that, that, that absolutely passionate expression of your current passion touched on something that I've been really passionate about as well. And I just was like, you know, there's this, the avalanche starts with a single snowflake. Mm -hmm. And when you focus on, don't worry about the world at large. I mean, yes, you can be aware of it. Yes, you can do it, but you can have the greatest impact right here, right now with yourself, mm -hmm. with the immediate people who are around you. Mm -hmm. That alone, by being the best person you can possibly be, claiming your power, as you say, mm -hmm. and being the best man you can be right yeah. here, right now. That so there's this, this great book, um, uh, the, the Six Pillars of Self-Esteem uh, by Dr. Nathaniel Braden, um, well-known. And 
in it, one of the, the pillars that I've actually brought a lot of attention to in my own journey is, um, is self-efficacy. And so self-efficacy is defined by, by your, uh, your ability to affect change, both within yourself and in the world around you. And so the, a big part of that, that personal power that I speak of is really about self-efficacy. It's really recognizing that you can, and this is one of the things that the erotic rock star transformation did for me was realize, holy shit, I created the impossible with my life. I became something that most people would never imagine possible. I'm maybe, you know, maybe for some fantasy figure in a movie or what have you, but not for me, not for a regular person. And somehow by a chance of fate, uh, I, I, by decision really, and a set of decisions, I created him. I created a man that, of my imagination. And it, it's what I've done now as well. I've just reimagined my archetype. I've reimagined my archetype and have created him again. Just as, you know, this is the thing about the evolved masculine again. I'm the way I say I'm not it. Like if you are, if you ever hit your epitome of what you think it can be, dream again, re-envision. So like knowing that you, like really knowing, not just here, but through experience that you can create changes in your life, even massive radical changes, and, and along with that, a recognition of your ability to affect the world outside of you, that is foundational. That, that's, this is something I want to see all people um, really take on, really take in. And our, our larger world doesn't necessarily really encourage that. No. But you're, it's, it's impossible to affect change outside of you without changing inside. It just, you can't just go one way. No, no, you can't. But there are ways in which you can hide out in one direction or the other. And this is why I do think that it's, it's worthwhile to, to, to have attention on both. That there are those who put a lot of attention. Like I, I did the activist thing for years. And I definitely saw um, people who probably myself as well at the time who uh, put all the attention on fixing this out here so that they didn't have to address what we, their shit inside. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> and were those were in that stage of your development of your life by, by only focusing outward, did you affect a lot of change? A lot. <laughs> it felt limited. It definitely yeah. felt limited. And I mean, the thing is people don't just want to be yelled at. People don't just want to be told what, what to do or what not to do. Um, People want to be inspired. And, and with, you know, with, 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 with that point of, of people, with people not wanting to be told what to do, I, I'm, I, I want to dive into you know, the whole term of toxic masculinity. And is there a way to talk about that without making it so people can self-identify that, but without, like, no one wants to be, oh, I'm a toxic masculine, I get this. Like, that's not going to work, right? Well, is there right. well one, I think that we need to identify behaviors and not, um, uh, and not make it an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, just as I am not the evolved masculine, um, I or you or whoever is not the toxic ma- masculine either. Um, you know, e- even even our beloved Trump, uh, it, it, he he may uh, exhibit and be embodying. Uh, I was going to say not not many like every uh, <laughs> every uh, element that. Uh, that I te- that I if I were to lay out and you know I really need to I need to see some really solid definitions of toxic masculinity I've detailed out my version of the evolved masculine so much um, 
And um, while he may embody and exhibit the, those things, I, I would not want to identify him as such because that doesn't allow for change. Mm-hmm. I like to believe that anybody, anybody can actually experience massive massive change and transformation i've experienced this so much with my own clients people experience total 180s in their in their very being yeah and and even you know to continue to use trumpy as the example you know he isn't just one dimensional only toxic no, i'm surprised sure. how easily he he feels hurt right so that's sure. kind of some feminine there's some softness to his bravado right sure. absolutely but it seems to just make him want to punch back harder as opposed to look inside and see what's going on well that's the thing with the with this toxic masculinity or macho facade as it's been described in the past is that it tends to be just that it tends to be a facade it tends to be a front that that's put out which i do believe is primarily a mask to protect what's in to to protect what's underneath it so it's it's like if if i am in this way if i if i put forward this this um image of this the all-powerful mess quote-unquote masculine uh man who nobody can touch who is the one in power in control what have you then you can't hurt me you know, it's it's interesting that you should bring that up because you know Trump has spent so much time focusing on his brand. It's it's as if his that that toxic image that he's created is as much a part of his brand and his personal identity as everything else. But you know, to your point, it, it's it's it, we see that a lot in a lot of different men where the bravado and everything else is hiding something else. I mean, how, I don't know if you've heard this. I certainly have had people tell me at times when they're talking about, you know, the really tough husband or boyfriend or whatever. It's like, but at home, he's such a teddy bear, (laughs) such a kid or whatever, you know, just using totally different terminology than this super tough guy that everybody sees. Sure. Well, I think that ultimately we all have the capacity for it all. Like, for example, my, um, uh, I feel like I finally really gotten to the, to the major depths of addressing this, but I would say that for a large chunk of my life, I was the opposite, you know, the, in the world, I was so, so soft, so understanding, so compassionate, all these things, but within my, within my personal, uh, and deep romantic relationship, that's where the worst of me would come out. That's where my darkness would, would come out. That's where the anger and rage would come out. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas, you know, the outside world may have been more like, well, no, not him. He's X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that, that within us, we ex- exist the all. We, have, we all have the capacity to express toxic masculinity. We all have the capacity to express the evolved masculine. We all have the, uh, uh, the capacity to express a toxic form of feminine expression and, toxic for, and a more evolved conscious form of, of feminine expression. You know, that brings up an interesting uh, thought that, that just jumped into my mind about, you know, when, when you were you know, talking about the labels, if you will, you know, making the gesture towards labels, mm. and you know, how much of that toxic masculinity, is, if you will, is a label? Because I'm one of those people who just goes crazy with labels. Yeah, I'm I, not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not a fan yeah. of, of labels. And how can we move past the labels and more into more of a, you know, a society that, that, that uh, sometimes we need certain expressions or, or labels, if you will, in order to be able to make sense of, of relationships or whatever. But I mean, I'm curious to know your thoughts about how we can move through that. 
Oh, well, this is the, there's some tricky elements to what you're speaking of because like, uh, you know, I've spent my life primarily identifying with the left progressive side of the spectrum at times democratic mm -hmm. uh, side, <laughs> side of the spectrum. Um, and uh, today, these days I'm, I'm, I carry a lot of disillusionment with, with what's, with a lot of what's coming out of quote unquote my side, uh, right. which I don't even know if I really even want to identify in that way anymore. Um, I bring that up because there's so much emphasis on identity politics wow. with, within the left, which is all very, you know, what um, I was just perusing through a friend's comment thread on Facebook today. And these two different people were like in this, back and forth and one's and I get like I have I have some understanding of intersectionalism and I understand that that's where the root of that that conversation comes from but it's like this let let me give all of my identifiers that determine who who I am and like I'm I'm just not convinced that that's the most effective or helpful thing for us now again i'm my base roots are not political they're spiritual right. and there are places where those two can come together but there are also ways in which those two tend to be very divergent mm -hmm. and one one is i place my primary focus and attention on that which unifies us in humanity mm -hmm. um, and how do we cross those lines into into deepening our uh, our understandings of our connections with one another. And I get concerned when we have so much focus on identity politics that instead we create uh, too much focus on what makes us different. And, and um, you know, again, it's not to say that there isn't any value there. There is, with, without a doubt, especially when we're looking at things like systemic oppression, which is, you know, again, particularly, like, I also live a lot in self-help, new age, transformational coaching, whatever circles, which largely tend to completely ignore the, the, the systems of oppression that exist in the world, right. <laughs> which, you know, I don't ignore. I, and this, is, again, is probably rooted in my social justice and activist past aspects as well. I just, I guess I just look at all, all of these different elements as being parts of the, of the larger truth. Um, you know, sort of like the, the thing with the, the uh, do you have uh, 10 blindfolded or blind uh, individuals uh, walking up to an elephant and they're stroking a different part of the body and trying to claim like what this thing is that they're, that they're touching. They're, they'd be right if they, by based on what they're seeing, but there's a, there's a larger thing here that they're only getting a little piece of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's about bigger truths, bigger rights. Yeah. If you will, right. Which is not to say that I have the ultimate truth. I don't, I'm sh I have no doubt there have been so many times that I have had my concept of reality completely flipped upside down. Uh, I trust that that will happen again in the future. <laughs> I, I hope it does. Right? <laughs> but I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Mine keeps yeah. getting flipped over. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what, so the, to get back to the, the notion of, of labels and how, it, you know, what, what I would ask people is, and kind of why this show is called Real Men Feel. Like, well, are you happy? Yeah, like if, yeah. If your label is toxic, but you're <laughs> loving it, 
like great that works for you but does it i don't i don't know I, you know what i mean because well, have, have you met anyone that that you know you would put into the toxic no, masculinity I I that you're happy yeah. no i haven't or even claim to be yeah. happy uh, i don't i that i don't know but uh i uh, not actively yeah um you know with my spiritual roots so that, that they are i i very much and rooted in a, not just an intellectual belief, but a felt sense of our um, the interconnectedness of all things and all people. And so the, if you think of things in terms of an ecosystem, the, the, you know, it, there's like the phrase, like no man's an island, right? Like you, we may, you can think of yourself just as yourself or am I happy or am I not happy? And that's the only thing that matters. There, there is no, there is no just I, yes, there, there's an I, but the, the I is part of, of a whole. And this is, this is why like, you know, we, we, this is why we, we can't, none of us can be free until all of us are free. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very much rooted in, in Buddhist philosophy. Sure. Each of us is very much part of a whole. That I is part of an impermanent part of that the greater whole. And you know, while we may identify with, say, for instance, this finger right here mm-hmm. is is you no know, me, or this this ear right here is me. I'm both wrong and right. <laughs> And like in the, the same elements. way that the yeah. ear is an ear, but it's also you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly, yeah. So it, it's the same thing. Like we, I am this, but I'm I'm also part of a. Like if I'm a sing, if you think of it in terms of like uh, I am a nerve cell in a brain, for example. Like I, I, the nerve cell is is its own nerve cell but it's also part of a larger system that that this is how i tend to think of consciousness itself there is a singular consciousness that um you know uh, christianity or the bible would refer to as like i am the alpha and i am the omega there there is nothing that's not god uh consciousness is all and which means consciousness god is me is you and is them both true right yeah so 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 that's the big thing with with spiritual people that get really upset by the the other side of anything that's what i kind of sit back and and just can laugh at when i couldn't before like this is new for me to not but i've seen people that oh every i'm divine everyone's divine oh but you're an idiot and i'm sick of what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) and i definitely i I definitely experienced this quite a bit as well. Like, like during my erotic rock star years, without a doubt, I experienced my greatest judgment amongst the spiritual crowd. And, and too often, I find too often um, those who end up intentionally walking a spiritual path, and, and this, these are not blankets. You know, this is not meant to be absolute by any means. But uh, too often, end up getting caught in in rightness and wrongness, in uh, in a place of judgment and superiority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're claiming a different label. My, my label's better than yours, so my mm-hmm. label is right. <laughs> we had a whole show on that one time, the New Age Bullshit show. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> so it's... Absolutely. You know, these, we're, we're still humans. That's what, what yeah. a, a lot of people really believe they're highly down the spiritual path still forget like whatever whatever you again whatever moment i've got it all figured out 
that's that one moment and then the moment changes <laughs> you know laurie put in a great comment here she's like you know, talking about spiritual masks just like the mask and wears the toxic mask the toxic mask and wears that same mask as well there's all these these different masks you know it's like um or anger or whatever if we can just take it all off and it ultimately we end up coming together with that whole um, you know, seeing the wholeness of you know, toxic spirituality. That'd be an interesting. Like, ah. what is, who is that? Like, what is that showing up as? You know? Well, it certainly exists. <laughs> I just, I, I just about said something. I bit my tongue, but <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit of it. <laughs> exactly. Don't want to piss anybody off there, but <laughs> please do. So, I mean, the, the, <laughs> right? Yeah. These are well, the whole thing is if you are pit, pissed off and that just means i really believe that anytime we're triggered is an opportunity to look within not just at what's out there that i'm triggered yes. by but, but what's in me that's causing this trigger what um what are my principles and values how does this help me get a better sense of my principles and values how do i how do i ever end up exhibiting or embodying any aspect of that very thing that i'm so upset about out there yeah. and that is a that that can be a very confronting thing yeah so. and, and it, you know from per personal experience the, the harder i point out and blame the things it's just you know it gets feels worse and at least to just me feeling horrible until i realize what it wasn't that so that i think that's the most powerful realization a human can have is like wait a minute right what what am i really upset about and to take that time and and be willing to to feel that really feel <laughs> yep, <exactly>. imagine that <laughs> yeah <laughs> go figure so i really like to to make clear and this is i guess i did at the beginning here as well with when i said the i am not the evolved masculine is is that element of um i'm a work in progress there's uh, the, the greatest wisdoms that I have to share. It's because at one time I was doing its exact opposite and it was wreaking havoc on my life. And eventually I learned a lesson that seemed to be beneficial to a lot of other people. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's the ideal way to, to anyone you're, you know, an author or speaker or a coach. It's their lived experience. Not that they were, boop, they came out of the womb and, yeah, perfect, I get everything figured out, and it never changed, and I wouldn't want to learn from that person. <laughs> well, I generally find there's something missing there in, in those cases, and this is something I found when I was exploring more of um, certain types of spiritual communities as well, was too often I felt like I was getting um, book learnings. Like people espousing things or teaching things that they'd read or heard about. And so I've, I really made a dedication at that time. This must have been a decade ago that I, I, I'm, I will not um, teach or represent or speak on anything that I don't have some form of, of real lived experience or something that I'm not practicing myself. Or, I mean, if I'm imperfect with that practice, I'm going to say that I'm imperfect with this practice, but this is what I'm learning. Because um, I just was really bothered by what struck me as hypocrisy or um, just intellectual or non-embodied. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like everything I do on a daily basis for my spiritual, mental, emotional health are things that I made fun of for years before I actually tried them. <laughs> hey, wait, that this shit what does work. Yeah. <laughs> guilty, that's so guilty. <laughs> but again, it takes. Well, that's great though, because that's what so many men end up dealing with. It's just like you know, rolling their eyes. I know myself. Like you know, I was I was born and raised in New York. When I uh, moved to San Francisco, I. I, I 
a brief little story. So I moved to San Francisco in fall of 02. In summer of 03, I went to a, uh, a 100 hour, two week intensive massage training um, thing. And uh, I, I show up and find out that we're spending the first two days doing breath work. And I was pissed off. Again, fresh from New York, I was pissed. I'm like, wait a second. I'm, I just paid how much money to spend two days breathing? Seriously? I was like angry. And by the, by the end of day one, I was converted now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if somebody would use the word like energy or anything like that, I would just like roll my eyes at them and be like, right before like days before my spiritual awakening that I spoke of in 04, uh, when I called my friend back up in San Francisco and was like, I came down here because I has, you know, I, everything had fallen apart and I was hoping it would get better, but it's worse than ever before. Maybe I should just come home. Like really upset. And she's like, you know, you're so close. Uh, you're, you're so close. Why don't you just uh, go to Palenque for a, a couple of days in, in, um, uh, in Chiapas. Oh yeah, that's uh, in, that's right. yeah, in South Mexico. Yeah, she's like, when I was tra traveling, uh, and I ended up landing in Palenque, it completely changed my trip. It, the place is really magical, and I literally rolled my eyes and it was just like magical, fucking hippie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Turns out she was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. funny. It's almost like the most universal truth. Until you experience it, yeah. it's fucking bullshit and eye-rolling nonsense. Mm -hmm. So experience it. And this is something I really try to put out with my work as well. Like I tend to be anti-dogmatic. Don't believe anything I say just because I say it. But please, like be an open-minded skeptic at least. Like try it on. You know, how, how does this work for you? How does it feel? And then like, you know, if it didn't quite work for you, maybe put it down and try it again at some point, you know, or, or just maybe it's not for you and try something else. And that like, don't, don't blindly believe me or anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a willingness to play is really needed to navigate anything half decently. That's a great way of putting it. Great way of putting it. All right. Well, we, we've been going for about an hour, so I think uh, we'll take this chance to reel it in before we go for That's another right. hour. Really <laughs> you could probably do that. But, uh, mm. but I did want to mention, Destin, what's the best way for people to connect with you or find out more about you? Uh, well, my, I want to give a free gift so to speak with your, to your audience. Um, I think by the time you listen to this, this should be live. And it's maybe happening right now where we're speaking. Okay. EvolvedMasculine.com slash blueprints. And uh, you'll get my like five minute version. That's just like my transmission, my download, uh, detailing out the what the evolved masculine is as I see him, and allow it to be a blueprint for you to t take on and explore in your own life. Again, not just because I say so, but I mean as you listen, like how does this resonate with you? What comes up for you? What do you? What inspires you as you listen to it? What kind of triggers you as you listen to it? What parts of it have you go like, wow, yeah, I'm totally like that, or ooh, I really need to work on that like you know it's, it's designed to bring up those types of things within you and if it did then it's done its work uh it can be a very very powerful blueprint and through through doing that aside from getting that um it will allow me to share with you more of uh, the offerings that i have i also run a podcast called the evolved masculine no redefining yeah <laughs> Re redefining sex power and success um and just search that on iTunes or on Stitcher. 
uh, the Evolved Masculine. And uh, please do subscribe. I just lost all of my ratings and reviews on it due to weird thing. So please subscribe, <laughs> rate, review. It helps the podcast. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, add, we'll add links to the podcast. We'll add links to the blueprint yeah. all at realmenfield.org in the, uh, the show notes for this for this episode if people are uh, listening and can't jot things down or tell us where to go grab this stuff we'll make sure it's easy yeah um, and connect with me on facebook and all that at dustin garrick you got it awesome i'll put all of it there um dude dude i love your passion um <laughs> i love to give you a platform to to have it burst forth um i wish you many more um, experiences and shocking moments that you think you've got it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we love to have that front front row seats to the whole process as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for being uh, being part of spreading the word of challenging men and inspiring men to uh, look within, to grow, to feel, to become more of what they're capable of being, and to be supported in the process coolness awesome um real men phil will be live again next monday we're doing a special monday taping february 13th at 8 p.m eastern we'll be joined again by diva logan it's our special valentine's episode she'll be sharing what she learned about men while working as an escort mm. so i'm sure to be romantic tips in there i bet right <laughs> <laughs> but until then uh, check out the other episodes of real men feel realmenfeel.org slash itunes go right to the podcast um give us some ratings reviews uh, check out past shows. Let us know what you want to know about future shows. Uh, check out realmanfield.org for the site. We're the, just the whole world of what we're up to. Um, and thanks again. Thanks, Destin. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Apio, my own masculine sidekick. Absolutely. <laughs> and thank you, Lori, for joining us, as you always do. We love having you here. And so. thank you. Thank you to you both and all three of you and to all of our listeners. I really, really appreciate this journey and I love the things that came out uh, through this conversation. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org, join the Real Men Feel group on Facebook, and share what you thought of this show. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.